0: All right, here's what we are talking about today. Uh, so, we want to be a group of people who follow Jesus as our King. Uh, and a couple uh, highlights in that sentence, you can go to the next one there, is obviously the idea of we. Uh, just because you're here doesn't necessarily mean you're a part of the we. You might be here and checking it out, and that's the commitment that John and Sarah just made is that. You can attend, you can come as much as you want, you can even be involved. And at some point, you have to make the decision of whether you want to be a part of the we. But for many of us, we would say, that's us. We are the we, and we want to follow Jesus as our king. And we've talked about that a lot over the last uh, couple months now. And what we mean by the idea of king is that that means that we do The things that Jesus says—that whatever Jesus says, He's our King. He's in charge of our life, and so we try to do those things. But so, what does Jesus say to do? And Jesus says a lot of things, and that might be a little bit large and a little bit uh, just intimidating. I think, do you really want me to do everything Jesus said? And we do want you to do everything Jesus said, but so that's a little too much. Like for one day, like where, where do I start? So here's a good starting point: What did Jesus teach about most? So if we're going to follow the teachings of Jesus, then we should do what he says, and we should at least do whatever he talked about most. You would assume whatever Jesus talked about most was probably most important to him, and so we should really try to center that into our lives, that should be a part of what we do, that should be a part of just our experience of being a human being. And so, what did Jesus talk about most? Anybody have any ideas? No ideas? What do you think Jesus talked about most? Shout it out. Love? Love? Love's a good one. Well, what do you think Jesus talked about most? Money. Money? That's, he talked about it a lot, but not most. Any other ideas of what he talked about most? Serving. I think I heard someone say it. Here's what Jesus talked about most is the kingdom. Uh, here's just a, a couple examples of ways in which Jesus talked about this idea of the kingdom. He, Jesus talked about this all the time. So the beginning of Mark... Jesus is just starting his ministry. This is the beginning of everything he's going to do. Says so Jesus went to Galilee, and he's going to proclaim the good news of God. And so what is this good news that Jesus is going to be preaching and proclaiming literally everywhere he goes? Well, it's the good news is that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. What good news? The good news of the kingdom. Uh, We've been looking at a very famous sermon that Jesus uh, did called the Sermon on the Mount for many months now in our community groups. And in uh, a couple weeks, you're going to look at a passage uh, that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount where he says this. He says, I want you to seek first. This is what I want you to prioritize. This is what I want you to make the number one thing that you're focusing on. Uh, And what is it that he wants us to seek first? His kingdom and his righteousness. And then everything else will be given to us if we just seek first his kingdom. Uh, towards the end of Jesus' life, again, Jesus is just constantly preaching, constantly proclaiming this idea about the kingdom of God. But towards the end of Jesus' life, he's talking about what's going to happen after he's gone, after he dies. Like, well, he's kind of peering into the future. What does he want to happen? What does he want his followers, his disciples to do? And that's what he says. He says, the gospel of blank will be preached in the whole kingdom. And so, Take a guess. What do you think is the gospel that he once preached in the whole world? It's the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he wants. That's what he wants all of us to be talking about literally everywhere we go. Uh, and then lastly, this is one of my favorites. After Jesus had died, and then after he was resurrected, uh, we find this in Acts. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself... To them, the disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And I think about this I mean, this is as captive of an audience as Jesus ever has. I mean, he, these are folks that were following him, believing him, but they now have seen proof. That he is alive. I mean, they are literally hanging on every word he is going to say. I mean, if a guy can die and then be resurrected, you just kind of do whatever he says. And so what is Jesus going to talk about with this incredibly captive audience? He, of course, spoke about the kingdom of God. And so again, what we want to do is we want to be followers of Jesus, which means we want to do the things that Jesus said And what did Jesus talk about most? He talked about the kingdom, which then brings up the question, what did Jesus mean by that? What is the kingdom? If you had to define what the kingdom of God is, if you had to explain to someone else how you live out the kingdom of God later on uh, today when you're at home, tomorrow when you're at work. What does that look like for the kingdom of God to be present? What exactly is it? And my guess, from my experience, is that if we were to go around the room, we would find that some of us really don't know. Many of us would have an answer, but we would find that our answer would be different than other people's answer in the room. And that is okay. Because here's what is true about the kingdom of God, this thing that Jesus talked about more than he talked about anything else. Uh, a couple of things that we'll go over over the next couple of weeks is that the kingdom of God is irreducible. Uh, there's a temptation, especially when talking about this, to try to say, well, well the kingdom of God, and make, try to make it very simple. The kingdom of God is about, you know, when you die, you, you get to go to heaven. Well, and that's part of the kingdom of God, But it's bigger than that. You can't like just reduce it to that. So other people say the kingdom of God is about the idea that you can be forgiven of your sins. And that's that's part of it. But that's not the kingdom of God's bigger than that. Uh, Some people say the kingdom of God is about that the Holy Spirit can come into your life and you can actually become a different kind of person. And yeah, that's totally true. That's a part of it. But it's bigger than that. Uh, other people would say that the kingdom of God is when you do the acts of God. And so it's when you go out and when you're giving food to people who need food, when you're giving clothes to people who need clothes, that's when you're really living out the kingdom. And that is absolutely part of it. But so is all of the rest. And so part of what makes the kingdom of God so hard to define is that it's not just this narrow little thing. It's irreducible. And not only is it irreducible, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. The kingdom of God changes everything. The kingdom of God, when you, when you get it, it changes you. When the kingdom of God, when it really moves from your head into your heart, it changes your family. It changes the way you work. Uh, if more and more folks in our city understood and were living out the kingdom of God, I believe it would change our city. It would change our world. It's, just, the kingdom of, it's, it's this revolutionary idea. And then lastly, it's, it's confusing and I don't love the word confusing. That's why I put this other word on there. It's, it's confusing, but not just because like, it's weird. It's confusing because it's very countercultural. It's not the direction that our normal society, it's not the way that everyone else that we work with is living out there. It's not the way our, everyone else on our street and our neighborhood. It's, just, it's a very different way to live. And here's what we're going to talk about this idea of the kingdom of God all the way from now until about a month after Easter. So get ready for a lot of talk about the kingdom of God. And one of the things that I want you to know as we start talking a lot about what the kingdom is, is this idea is that the kingdom's a little bit confusing. And Jesus knew all of this, which is why when Jesus often talks about the kingdom of God, he will say this phrase, he will say the kingdom of God, it's like, and then he will tell a story, and then he will paint a picture. He, he will do something to try to like help us understand, like, because he understands this isn't like a simple concept that you can just like easily pass, you know, here's this little tidbit, here's this little sound bite of information. It's something that is going to be this big concept, and so he's going to have to kind of break out our imagination and our minds to be able to really figure out what this is. Uh, So today we're going to look at the first of these stories that Jesus tells, trying to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. And this story is really the foundation. So uh, I'll encourage other folks who uh, aren't able to be here today to check this out. Because if you... For us to understand really anything else that we're going to talk about over the next couple months about what the kingdom of God is, we have to understand what Jesus is saying to us in this first story. Uh, So here's the story that Jesus tells. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shores, Jesus has this captive audience. And what's he going to talk about? He's going to talk about the kingdom of God. Then he told them many things in parables, which is like a story, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Okay? Some fell on the rocking places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, and the plants were scorched, and they they withered, because they had no root. uh, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's it. It's the story. Everybody clear now? Everybody understand completely now what the kingdom of God is like? No, of course not. Because the people back then, as they were sitting there listening to the story, they're like, what was that? Like, it's an interesting story about gardening, I guess. Like, uh, th- thanks for the lecture about farming, which would have been more helpful to them than probably it is to us. But like, what does that have to do with how we're going to live? And then Jesus gives a couple clues about what he's doing here. Starting, uh, uh, go back to that last slide, Kim. With that phrase there, "Whoever has ears, let them hear." Uh, that's a tip, and it would have been a tip as soon as he gone and went into the story of what Jesus was doing. But Jesus is doing a different kind of teaching here than just like giving information, giving commands, giving orders. He is intentionally doing a very rabbinic, rabbi-type, Jewish, eastern way of teaching where he's going to tell them a story that they're going to have to dive into a little bit. This This is Jesus' way of saying not everyone is going to understand at surface level what I'm saying. If you really want to understand this, you're going to have to develop ears so that you can hear what I'm saying. And this was very curious to the people who were right around Jesus. And so the disciples, uh, next slide then, asked him, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people? Why are you doing it this complicated way now? Well, why aren't you just like telling people, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's five steps that you're supposed to do this week. Like, why is it that you're doing it this like complicated way? And here's what Jesus says. He says he replied to them because the knowledge, there's knowledge I want you to know. There's knowledge that you're going to need if you want to change your life. And it's of the kingdom of God, but it's, it's, it's secret. I, I've, I've intentionally hidden it, so that you're gonna to have to spend some time looking for it. And this might seem a little bit weird, but this happens in a lot of different stories that we might hear on a normal basis. And so, for instance, uh, anyone know what this is? That make sense to anybody? Uh, it makes a little bit of sense to me, not a ton. So this is a graph of every Marvel movie that's come out since 2008 to 2019. And there's been more that have come out in the last couple of years. And it shows how all these movies are all very interwoven. And this right here is why I don't like Marvel movies. Anybody here like Marvel movies? So, anybody else not like Marvel movies? So here's why I don't like Marvel. I like the first couple. Because the first couple, you could go to the theater, and you could just sit with your popcorn, and you could watch the movie, and you didn't have to study. You you just, it was just this cool action movie, and then you left and moved around with the rest of your life. What they've done over the last couple years is they've made these movies where, like, if you sit down and watch a new modern f- film, there might be some parts that you like. Like, oh, that, that was kind of a cool action scene. You know, there might be, But there's so much in the movie that you're like, What? Like, who's that guy? How does that story— It's just because they've made it where if you really want to understand what is happening, you have to, like, have a knowledge of all these other stories. You have to know all these other things. And then what they do is they hide what they call Easter eggs sometimes, or, like, these little pieces in the movies where only if you really know— are you going to be able to pick up on all these things? And it's only if you really pick up on all these things that you will really understand what is going on. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in these stories. Is he's telling us a story that like at surface level, you might be able to pull something out. But if you really want to understand what Jesus is saying, you're going to have to do a little bit of digging. You're going to have to do a little bit of research. Uh, really you might have to do some conversation and like talk it out with somebody else. You might have to read some other things that happen in scripture. Like this isn't gonna be something you can just like take an easy soundbite from. This is gonna be something you're gonna have to do some work on, which for a lot of us is very different than how we often want to learn, especially in a church environment. Because when it comes to the idea of the kingdom of God, again, it's, it's irreducible. But oftentimes what I want Maybe what you want is I want something that's just simple, like just I just just tell me what to I just give me like I I don't want this like comp I don't want to spend I, just give me this simple thing. And she's like, no, I can't, because this is a big concept. But often what we want is we want something that's just like an add-on to our life. Like I, I got I got all my stuff going, and like I'm happy to go to church. Like give me a couple things I can like tack on to everything else I have going on in my life, but like. I'm not really looking to, like, upend my whole life. Like, I don't want to rethink everything of how I'm treating people in my life, how I'm treating my money. Like, I just kind of want this to be, like, an addition, not really a whole house redo. But Jesus says, I can't—what I want to do in your life is not just add a few, you know, tips on of how you can live a better life. I want to cause a revolution for you. And, yeah, this is going to be a little bit confusing, which is hard because a lot of times what I want is just—, I just again, I just want— The easy little things. And I think there's a lot of reasons of why Jesus did this. But part of it is because, again, what Jesus is trying to do is Jesus isn't just trying to give us information. Jesus isn't just trying to give us a few things that we can do in our life. Jesus wants to do something radical in your life. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to create a relationship with you and him in his life. And that is going to mean that you have to be okay for a deeper dive. Uh, Now to the rest of the story. Uh, So Jesus talks about this idea, whoever has ears, let them hear. And so how do we become the kind of people who are the them? How can we become the kind of people that we understand what Jesus is saying and we can understand and actually apply this revolutionary message? And that's what this first story that Jesus is telling them about the kingdom of God is all about, is how we can become the kind of people that can actually hear this message. And it has to do with our hearts. Is There's some of us have, who have a heart frame that can really get this. And there's other people who, because of pre-existing conditions of our heart, will just have a really hard time. As much as we hear it, as much as we've read it, there might be a reason why some of us have heard Jesus and read Jesus talk about the kingdom of God for weeks, months, years, but it's never actually penetrated our hearts. And Jesus is going to explain why and what we can do to change them. Uh, so he goes through these different types of soil, and we'll call them different kinds of heart. So listen to what the parable of the sower means. So just going to break it down now. Here's what it means: When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and they and it doesn't, they don't take it in. It doesn't. It doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't apply. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. And so the the visual to this is uh, a lot of falls and a lot of springs. I'll overseed my lawn because I'm fanatical about that kind of stupid stuff for some reason. And so uh, I'll put grass seed in my spreader and I'll spread it all over my grass. But inevitably some of the seed ends up on my driveway or ends up in the sidewalk. And you look at that seed there and you're like, that's going to be a problem. Like, it doesn't matter how good that seed is. I could, like, dump fertilizer on that seed. I could water that seed. Like, as long as it's sitting on my sidewalk, it ain't growing nothing. It just has, it's too hard. It's too hard of a path. And what Jesus is saying is that one of the reasons why the kingdom seed doesn't go into some of our hearts is because our hearts are too hard. We, we, just, we just won't let it in. Uh, here's how I say it. Is that this is someone who is predecided they are not going to change. This is someone who's just from the get-go. And maybe this is you, even as you're sitting here. You're like, I, I'm, I am not... I, I'll listen, I'll be polite, but I, I am not interested in changing my life. Uh, this is folks that I, I would say are arms crossed. These are people that are opinionated. These are people that are stubborn. And all of us, I think, factor into this at some level. I'm going to give you a couple dumb examples. If... I told some of you, hey, I want you to go to the ballet. There's some of you that would be like, I've already pre-decided I don't want to go to the ballet, and I'm not going to like it. I'm not, that's not, I've already pre-decided before I've even experienced it, I don't like it. Or some of you, if I said, hey, we're going to go to a monster truck show. You're like, you know, I guarantee I'm never going to be into that. I might go, but that's never going to become my thing, because I've pre-decided that's not who I am. Or maybe a better example, and I use political examples a lot because I think they just work well. But for some of you, if you're Republican and I say, I want you to come with me to a Democratic meeting and we're going to listen to some Democrats talk about their policies, you've already pre. I- I don't care how, how persuasive they are. I, I'm not. Or some of you, if you're a Democrat and I took you to a Republican uh, and uh, they're going to talk about all their talking points, you have already pre-decided that that's, I don't believe that stuff. And I, I don't care how, how good it is. I don't know how exciting it is. I am not interested in hearing that. And for some of us, that's how when it comes to the idea of the kingdom of God, we are. We just, we've pre-decided. And I think there's especially two groups of us in this. There's some of us, and it's really, it's, it's anything. It's, it's the idea of it, whether it's miracles or the supernatural or just the idea of just believing in a God. Or like, There's something that's just an, a barrier there. And we're just like, I, I've already pre- I, just, I don't believe it. And you can show me whatever proofs. You can give me examples. Just, we've already just pre-decided. And that's obviously going to be a barrier for the kingdom of God. For others of us, though, I think this might be a bigger it's, we've reduced the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is a few things to us, but there's some other, maybe church traditions, there's some other books, there's some liberal authors, there's some conservative authors, and they talk about these other parts of the kingdom of God, and that's, it, it's just out of our scope, and we've pre-decided that that's, I'm, I'm not interested in that. that. That's too liberal for me, that's too conservative, that's, that, that's not the tradition I grew up with. I've already decided that that group of people is wrong, and it, as long as we have that kind of hard heart, the kingdom of God is never going to take root. And I would love to encourage all of you to think about, if you have a hard heart, changing it. And here's why I would, consi- I would ask you to do that. It's because of this guy. That's me. Yeah. It's me. I'm 22 years old there, so 20 years ago, and I, I don't know. And by the way, for those of you who are a little bit younger, that, that there, that's called a computer. That's, that's, they used to be that big. Uh, and the, the, those were the cool shells. And if you were cool 20 years ago, you wore shells. I don't know why. Uh, and I wasn't cool. But I, to, I don't know what you were like when you were 22, but when I was 22, I was stinking brilliant. Uh, I knew everything. I had easy black and white answers to almost every situation. Uh, I had very strong opinions about almost everything. But now, as I look back on this crazy guy, there's so many things now at 42, that 22, there's so many things that I would disagree with about that guy. There's so many things that I am so thankful that that guy over the last 20 years was introduced to different books, introduced to different people introduced a failure at some levels, and changed his opinion. Uh, Go to the next slide. There's a lot of ways in which I have rethought things that I used to think very, and I've I've rethought it, and I think differently about it now. There's some things that I've reprioritized, and there's some things that I've just straight repented of. Things I, I used to think were right, and I've just realized were wrong. And for some of you, you need to go on a journey for you to understand what the kingdom of God wants to do in your heart, to open it up to maybe something new, to uncross those arms a little bit, to read something that maybe is a little uncomfortable, to hear something that's a little bit uncomfortable, because maybe God wants to do something new and revolutionary in your heart. Uh, There's another one then. So the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so this is seed that grows in some sort of rocky soil. And literally, it, it grows, but just, there's nowhere for the roots to go. And it, just, it really never stands a chance. Uh, and here's what I would say about this kind of a person. is This is the person whose their, their lifestyle has pre-decided that they are not going to change. Uh, this is the person who... They sit in here or they sit in their group or they read a book and they hear something new maybe that God wants to do in their life. And there's a part of them, that they receive it with joy. They get so excited. They're like, oh, a weekly date night. I'm going to do that. Oh, a deep relationship with a one-on-one. I, I'm going to make—that's th- something I need in my life. Oh, a daily time where I'm just quiet and I just, you know, a, a weekly Sabbath, uh, being a part of this class, being a part of this group. Like, there's a, we hear it, and we're like, that sounds so good. But then you look at our life, and they're like, I, there's no way. Because here's what's true about our life, is that we are overscheduled, we are overworked, we are overextended. Uh, Or here's the the picture I like. I I don't think you can see that well. That's a calendar. And for some of us, this is like what our lives look like. It's just so jam-packed. They're like, okay, I understand you like the idea of having a really deep relationship with with this friend, and you're going to spend time together and have, you know, conversations and really share your life. Where? Where is that going to fit in? I understand you like the idea that you're going to start exercising. I understand you like the idea that you're going to have a weekly date night. I understand that you're going to have an actual dinner time with your kids. And you're Where? Where is that going to fit in? And even though we receive it with joy, our schedule just takes over, and it just it plummets, and it dies. And for some of you, if you just have way too crazy of a schedule, and you keep... There's so many things, like, you know, it's like New Year's resolutions, but just, uh, constantly, you've had so many things where you've thought, oh, I'm going to do this, and it just never happens. I want to encourage you to think about changing your heart. Uh, and here's why I would encourage you to change that, it's because of this guy. Uh, so this is, I, I, one of my kids took this picture, I think, uh, but what makes this picture interesting is not me standing eating oatmeal or whatever I'm doing there, is that this picture is from March 8th. 2020. Anybody remember March 8, 2020? Uh, life was normal. Like, things, hey, this guy right here was so busy. And just talking like church practically for a second, like, we at that point of, as a church, and me you know, as being the pastor of it, We just had so much going on. We had just had our grand opening service for for this building for weekly. We were doing this every single week service. We had community groups. We were getting ready for this big Serve Albany initiative we were going to do, this big Love Albany. And we we had this feeling that we needed more depth as far as relationships. So we were getting ready to start uh, emotionally healthy spirituality classes, emotionally healthy relationship classes, and this big one-on-one initiative. And we were going to try to cram all of that into a very, very busy schedule. And thankfully, COVID happened in the nice way. I know a lot of bad stuff has happened with COVID. But in some ways, thankfully, because it shut down so much of what we did. And I actually had bandwidth to actually get involved in those things. And I'm confident that if it wasn't for what happened over the last two years, we would have had the idea of emotionally healthy relationships, by actually participating in the class, if those of you guys have been a part of it, actually practicing those skills emotional, health, and spirituality, actually taking that time to have those daily offices and just be quiet in the morning, actually be a part of the one-on-one that I, this guy did not have time to do that. And he needed to remove, and COVID thankfully removed rocks out of the soil of my life. So I actually had time to be a part of those. And now the struggle that I'm in, and maybe you're in, is that those rocks are slowly starting to fill back in because life is starting to get a little bit more back to normal, we hope. And how can I continue to make sure that the soil of my heart isn't so crowded that I actually have room to do what God is calling me to do so that when something wells up, if I need to start this new practice, I actually have time to do it. Uh, Last one. The seed fall sorry second to last one the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful so again, it's someone who they hear it they like it it starts to grow in their life but there's other stuff growing too and this is I couldn't find a good picture of it but this is the picture of my garden basically every single like August and September is it starts off like beautiful with like lots of dirt and like, little seeds, you know, and stuff's growing. But then by like August, September, it's just like weeds everywhere. <laughs> and like there's stuff growing in there somewhere. If you look carefully, like there's a tomato in there somewhere. But it's what's actually coming up is just like dwarfed by all this other junk that's grown up over the last little bit. And Jesus says, what's going to choke out for many of us is it's going to be money and other worries. Uh, again, this is someone whose financial or other goals have predecided that they are not going to change. So again, it's, I want to change, but there's, there's something about what Jesus is calling us to do, that as long as I'm also set on making this much money, as long as I'm set on, you know, living in this kind of house or having this kind of car, or I got to, you know, get to this position in my job, or I got to, you know, achieve this because that's going to make my dad proud, or whatever our thing is. As long as that is competing, it's going to make it where it's, we can't, do both. Uh, here's a question I ask a lot. Is, Eddie, if I want this, whatever this is, more than I want Jesus. And all of us have a, you know, whatever. I, I want to follow Jesus, sure, but I want to be really successful at my job. And which one are you going to choose? Like, is, is following Jesus more important? Is he your king or is your job? I, I, I want to make, you know, a million dollars or two million, whatever, you know, I, I want to make sure I retire by this age. Like, is there something that you want more than Jesus? And that's going to always dwarf it. Uh, and my example uh, for this one is uh, this guy. Uh, that's me yesterday. Uh, so uh, that's paint all over me. Uh, we're working right now on painting my basement. And as far as goals go and things, I, I'm just a project-centered person. Some of you are this way too. And like, when I get centered on something that needs to get done, I can just become blinders to like everything else. And so I, 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 I got to spend time with God. I'm supposed to spend time with my kids. I got you know, to stay in budget. I got to give money away. Like I just, just got to get this done. And until this is done, I guess. and so I need to make sure that me getting this project done doesn't choke out what else God wants to do in my life over the next weeks or months or however long it takes us to finish this stupid project. Because I, I want to get it done, but I don't want to get it done to the exclusion of what Spending time with my kids, spending time with my wife, spending time with God, staying in budget, making sure I'm giving money away. And you have something in your life that can easily choke out what God wants to do, too. Uh, Now, here's the last kind of soil. So, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and takes it in. It actually, it's in there. It's growing. And this is the one who produces a crop. And that's, we're going to focus on that a lot over the next months because this is the biggest thing that I want to see. This isn't about just like, again, checking a box, and I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, because I guess I'm supposed to, and if I do, I get to go to heaven. God wants to grow a crop in your life. God wants to see you flourish. God wants to see your marriage, and your family, and your friendships. God wants to do something in your life. That's why he wants the kingdom to be available to you. That's why he wants you to understand it, why he wants us to do the work to to have to do this, because he wants to produce a crop. But it might not happen if the soil of our heart is not right. Uh, So here's the questions uh, for this week, and I would love, because I think so much of this kind of rabbinic tradition that Jesus is teaching in is so much about discussion. People were supposed to dissect it and talk about it and ask questions. And so the best thing you could do this week or today is during lunch today, on the car ride home, uh, later on this week, ask somebody out for coffee and talk about this with somebody else. And here's the question to ask. What kind of soil is your heart? Not there. What is your heart right now? Are you someone who has pre-decided that you don't want to change? you're already, you know, you've already figured it all out, you know, you're the smartest person in the world, and, you know, no one else, is that you? Uh, is your lifestyle predecided that you won't change? Are you so crazy busy that, like, it doesn't really matter what we talk about, like, you're never going to actually apply it because you're just running so hectically? Or is it that your financial or your other priorities have predecided that you're not going to change? And would you be willing to do the hard work of figuring out what it might look like to change your heart? Uh, and I want to hopefully start that process as we end today. Is I think a way in which we do that is asking God to help us because we can't change our hearts on our own. Uh, so we're going to uh, take a communion together. Uh, Ten, you can come out from behind the curtain there. <laughs> Who is that made behind the curtain? Uh, <laughs> we're going to take communion. Uh, and I want you to take communion after we pray. And I'm going to ask us all to pray together. And uh, hopefully you can read this as a prayer that uh, we did a lot back in 2020. So if you're around then, you might remember this. Uh, If not, uh, this is a prayer that I've tried to pray a lot over the last two years. Uh, I think it's just powerful. Uh, And it has, I think praying this prayer and actually believing it, Monica said so well earlier, could have the power to help to break up some of the tough soil help to get some of the rocks out, help to, you know, put weed-be-gone on some of the thorns of our life. Uh, So I'm going to ask you to say these three prayers to me together, and hopefully you can read those on the screen. Uh, You can say this out loud, or you can say it to yourself. Uh, I'll say mine out loud. Uh, But the first one, I'm going to ask you to do some, some motions with this. So in your own way, if you can kind of put your hands up as a visual sign. It says, I choose to hold my hand up as a symbol of surrender. My life is not about me. I surrender to your lordship. I surrender my preferences, my prejudices, and position to you. I surrender my fears, my finances, my friends, and family to you. Uh, For this next one, we're going to hold our hands uh, open. Because I choose to hold my hands out open as a symbol of generosity. What I have is not mine. I am only a steward of all that you have given me. I want to mirror the way that you open your hands to us and lavish your love and life upon us. I want to live an open handed life in a closed fish culture. And lastly, hold our hands out. I choose to hold my hands forward as a symbol of mission. I want to live for something greater than me. I want to embrace your kingdom mission. I want to embrace and welcome your mission to the lost, last, least, and lonely. Pray on those as you take communion. Jesus, I pray that you move in our hearts and in our midst. For me and for others that indeed have parts of our hearts that are hard. That we just don't want to change. We don't even really want to be challenged on it, to be honest. (laughs) We just want to do our deal and we'd rather you not talk about it or anyone else to talk to us about it even though it might be painful, break that hard soil of our hearts up. For those of us that our life is just full of all kinds of rocks and busyness and things that we we feel are important, but we just know that maybe they are keeping us from doing what we know might be ultimately way more important. Help us to have the courage to say no to things schedule and plan for time with you, for time with others. And for those of us that we just have these things that are education goals, job goals, money goals. We just feel like they're so important, but we just have this feeling that you might be calling us in a different direction and that, and that bugs us. We feel the competition. Help us to have the courage to follow you and to trust you. Help us to be people that are producing a crop of love and joy and hope and to do the work to have your kingdom take root in our life. In the name we pray. Amen.